0: Welcome to the show, two titans of the music scene. Brett Anderson from Sway, James Dean Bradfield from Manic Street Preachers. Welcome to Hometime, chaps. It's great to have you on. Hi, howdy. Uh, this show is about people's lives and what they get up to. At this part, part of the day, you know, between four and seven, like this show is, uh, what would you normally be doing, the pair of you, normally? Having a cup of tea cup of tea, like mowing cup the lawn,
1: cup doing of tea and a biscuit. It's this four. It's four o'clock time, isn't it? And then yep. sort of like then school pickup, and then uh, dinner time. That's that's the, the exciting rock and roll life I lead.
0: Uh, Richie and I are involved in the whole school pickup drop thing. We, we've we've yeah. had conversations over the years about whether you get involved. Are you a chatty uh, school gates kind of guy, Brett, or I are you? I
1: but I'm also one of those school gates guys that will literally go and stand on my own. Because yeah. sometimes you get the, you get you just have that sort of thing. I can't be bothered <laughs> to make any conversation, so I'll find a sort of like slightly sort of out of the way route to get to the pickup and stand there on my own kind of pretending that i'm listening to the music or something like that. headphones but I, I, but i'm not i'm not unfriendly if people talk to me so it, it depends on the day you
0: know what it's like i know what sometimes
1: it's like. sometimes it's just like oh i can't be bothered and sometimes yeah a little chat you know
0: are you like on time dad or are you kind of running at the, the very end uh, uh I'm pretty on time pretty on time, pretty on time yeah. uh, james this time of the day what kind of thing do you get up to uh yeah, i picked up my boy.
2: I'm quite user-friendly at the school gates. Are I'm, I'm you
0: a bit more chatty? You might initiate a few chatty. conversations. Yeah,
2: um, kind of like, it's all about of sport and stuff. Um,
0: <laughs> it's a safe, <laughs> safe
2: conversation safe zone, safe isn't ground. it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, good with, I'm good with all that. I enjoy it, actually. And then I uh, run about this time is probably a quick football practice in the front garden with a boy uh, and then a cup of
3: tea. Oh, uh, that is amazing. Uh, as, as it approaches dinner, you, you say you're both very user-friendly. Would you, would, would you both consider to have a signature dish that you would... <laughs> you would look at preparing? Dad
0: meals.
1: Well... You do, I'm, I'm not really allowed my, near near the kitchen. So I, I quite like kick, cook it. I used to quite like cooking. And my sort of won't really let me near it. She says messy.
0: <laughs> was there one particular <laughs> meal? One particular meal, Brett? That, um... that was a bit of a grumble bit.
2: That was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but,
1: you know.
2: <laughs> my lasagna is pretty good.
0: Uh, if you may say so yourself. Uh, yeah, it is good. Okay.
2: Uh, I, I my, mas, my spaghetti vongole used to be good until nobody wanted to eat it anymore. But I got two oh. young kids, so they don't want to go for spaghetti
1: Actually, vangole, I can do a, a good a good um, spaghetti. Um, Putinesca. Oh,
3: wow. Mm. There nice. you go. It's almost as if there's a competitive element coming out. Uh, we hear about James's lasagna, and then suddenly <laughs> your spaghetti comes <laughs> out. Exactly. Yeah. So when,
1: when all of a sudden he's got his Michelin stars, yeah. and then it's, you know, it, it's like an arms race, isn't it? It so, is. With,
3: with the concept of touring together, obviously you guys have done that before you did it way back in the 90s you know it's a venture that works but is there a competitive element that that kind healthy competitive element yeah, that, there is. that comes in comes in the tour you know one band's always going to see the other performing first and all that kind of thing i think back Absolutely,
2: back yeah. in the day yeah definitely um uh, back in the day we were competitive especially when there was a weekly music press um yeah. i think everybody was competitive with each other and that doesn't disappear you can have um, healthy but it, competition but it, dim, you? but it dims somewhat yeah. so to speak um but like yeah i suppose the way you can market is some nights uh, when we were touring america um uh when because we swapped headlines you know every other night just about and some nights when suede won first i'd be watching them and uh and, it, and particularly on a night where you know brett was just going feral and really connecting with the audience i mean really connecting with the audience I'd be thinking, oh, I've kind of, I'm going to have to break out some moves tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I've got the advantage of
2: only having a, having a microphone to carry around. No, I know. You've got the guitar no. as well, so you, it's tricky. You can, tr- you can try and be disingenuous about it, but if I only oh, had oh, a oh, microphone oh. in my hand, I wouldn't know what the hell to do. I'm sure you, you do. Try. <laughs> you know I, mean? I need my guitar. Uh, I need my yeah, security blanket.
0: Yeah. So do, do you worry, like, obviously, like, like Richie said, you guys have toured together before, but it is going on tour with, with another band, a little bit like going on holiday with a family that you like. <laughs> you might go on each other's nerves, like Nicky Hogg's The show hour mats takes ages to get ready is there, is there a worry that you might get on each other's nerves a bit i think we're kind of
1: both old enough and experienced enough to know that you've got to sort of give each other space yes. and stuff and we're we're sort of polite and friendly and hang out and all that sort of stuff and you know they've they become good mates of ours but we don't kind of like go and hassle them and sit in their dressing because <laughs> i know for well that, that there's a weird time as a, when you're in a band where you just need to be in your own space yeah. and be with your own band, there's that sort of pre-gig and post-gig moment where the pre-gig moment is like you're kind of preparing, you're doing all your rituals, you're doing all these little things you've got to do, and you just simply haven't got space for anything else except that. And and the same thing straight afterwards as well. There's almost like a bit of a, a kind of an autopsy about how the gig went and blah, 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 that only the band can be involved in sort of thing. But, so you, we kind of understand those... Needs that uh, that every band has,
0: kind of thing. I can, can another band's behaviour rub off on you a little bit? Because I remember seeing the Manics. You guys uh, pl- played with Screaming Trees, supporting Oasis at M- uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, back in the nineties. My goodness, yes. it was a long way back, but yeah. that was the Oasis tour where Liam yeah. and Noel were like falling out with each other, and, and, yeah. and it, I think they ended up splitting up and stuff. It was, it was just a nightmare. Yes. Did that rub off on you guys? Were you aware of it at the time? To be honest, at that
2: particular point in time, it was just good to see. It was it was just good to see another band messing up instead of <laughs> instead of it being us for once. I mean, kind of like um, yeah, it was a particularly dramatic too. Obviously, you know, you had Screaming Trees and you had Mark, you know, and he was going through his stuff. Um, and I really got on with the guy back then. You know, God rest his soul and stuff. Hmm. And then you saw kind of. Uh, Liam just yeah, just going f- full Vesuvius at some points. <laughs> yeah, point. yeah. Um, and it was just nice to watch other people because as, at, that, at that point we were a bit. Well, we per- we were perceived as a bit of a soap opera, so it was good to see it on somebody else
0: for once, you know. we will um, going back to that family metaphors, but like but the, the other the, family's kid is playing up, and yeah. it's kind of a relief. <laughs> that's it's not yours.
1: Of, of, of of an exciting band, though. I think it's like I think both one of the things that Suede and the Mannix have got in common is that I think we were both very volatile when we first started, and there was the, always that sense that the band could fall part and that's exciting that's exciting it's 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 that chemistry that's always on the edge that that there's never quite stable um and that's what makes exciting bands you know and i uh, think
2: that can be exciting on stage as well because some nights you know you know you're pushing a song so hard like a song like faster from the holy bible and it's it's so ferocious and you're so nick's so worried about like his scissor kicks and richie you know will be so worried about just like you know just moving as much as he could and he was just nearly falling apart and that can be exciting to watch you know
3: yeah it can be it's not quite chemistry um let's talk about venn diagrams uh, yeah. both bands were NME Godlike like genius yeah. Uh, what else is in the Mannix and Suede uh, Venn diagram? What, 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 what is, is the same? There's obviously going to be differences, but what would you say are the similarities think, that make it work? A tour think, together?
1: But I think for me, when we toured together um, in 1994 for the first time, we were both touring Europe together with our probably our most challenging records we've ever made. And interestingly enough, that was at the kind of apex of the whole Britpop thing that was happening in the UK. And that felt some, somehow kind of. Uh, There's something kind of like uh, telling about that. I think both, of the, both Suede and the Mannix have be, always been a kind of outsider's band. And that's how we bond through our outsiderdom in a funny sort of way. And I think that's why there's lots of lots of fans that like both bands that kind of like they feel kinship with with both bands because mm. there's a sort of like there's a sort of an outsiderdom thing going on there.
0: I think Nikki so, said in an interview I watched recently that you said he, you guys both didn't kind of belong to anything, which is why you survived so long.
2: No, but, we didn't. I mean, can we recognised as soon as I, 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 can't, I, I can't deny that when. You know, Suede first came out and released the release of Drowners, the Mountain Mickey, etc. I was a little bit jealous, you know, because they just, poof, they just started taking off. And they started again, Enemy Covers, we might have had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> now we're finding the tension. <laughs> 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 and um, But can I recognise something straight straight away? You know, some of the reviews said that there was, like, a, some of Brett's lyrics were... It was kind of a J.G. Ballard- Ballardian kind of um, a kind of vision of, the v- of a dystopian future or present yeah, that we were living I in. Loved it, wasn't it? And we had the kind of, you know, Richie and Nick that were kind of, kind of obsessed with the French Situationists, which was talking about the absurdity of things. And we felt as if there was a kinship there. And we felt as if we weren't trying to bring people together. We were just trying to, to, to kind of tell it as it was yeah. at that point and just show the absurdity of things. Um, so we, we felt connected on that, definitely. I think
1: we were both, both separately trying to form our own cults in a way. Yeah, you know, we both. That was that was that was I, from an outsider's point of view. That's what I thought was really strong about the Mannix was that, that they created their world, and the the, the sort of the, the disciples that gravitated towards them were almost like were, were almost singularly part of that world. And you became a Mannix fan, and you, and you and you and you and you and you bought into that. And I think I, that's what, what I always wanted with Suede as well. I never wanted to be a, a, a part of anything bigger than Swade. Yeah. Suede. yeah right yeah. and, and and i think the same same goes for these guys and that the irony was was that suede actually started britpop yeah. And which became much bigger than any one single band. It became a kind of a generational. But you
0: kind thing. of swerved that moniker, I guess, we didn't you? We
1: didn't. We were always sort of sucked into its thing because the, 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 the debut Suede album is, is the first Britpop album. It's, it's just, you know, historically where it, it's just what happened, really. And so we were always kind of connected to that, even, even though we never felt quite comfortable in that slipstream. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. I think, we, I think both bands kind of try to st- create their own little worlds. I always like bands like. Like that that weren't part of scenes. They were part of uh, uh, something stronger than
0: that, something more individual than that. I mean, you do you do have mad fans, don't you? The pair of you, in footballing parlance, they're almost ultras. I think they were in kind of ultras, <laughs> big flags. I um,
2: uh, kind of uh, they're keepers of the flame. I would call them sometimes. You know, yes. they feel as if sometimes, sometimes. And I recognise this, I can empathise with this feeling. Sometimes the, the fans, those kind of fans, think they know the band better than themselves. Yeah. And I, can, uh, and I was certainly like that. You know, I would get annoyed if, like, you know, a guitarist in a band wouldn't use his signature guitar anymore. I'd be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? I actually, you'd notice way. that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd notice that kind of thing. Or you'd notice if they changed the, the text and on the, on the, the font on their records, and you'd be like, well, why are they doing this? Why, why, <laughs> why are you doing this for? So I kind of understand, even though that mindset is pretty rabid and quite, can be
3: delusional... Yeah. <laughs> It's important as well. Yeah. With the fans side of touring together, uh, and, and keeping actually the football analogy going and the yeah. the ultras, um if you went to it like a a lower league football match, for example, and I'm not saying this is what this So wait, is. Me,
2: this is drive time you're talking about <laughs> ultras. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> at half time you yeah. might well see the fans sort of like wander around the pitch because they know their team is support, is like shooting towards the other end so yeah. when you guys are, are are touring together and playing a together co-headlining can you can you pick out like is it almost sort of like pick out different sort of sets of fans or do you see them sort of like moving around when, when they know yeah. that the other band is coming on later or is it is it really mixed? I can even
2: talk of recent experience and when we just did this American tour um, it was uh, late last year yeah, there was a lot of excitement because Swede hadn't been in America for
1: over 20 years? Right? I think about 25 years. 25 think, years. Yeah,
2: yeah. So there was a lot of excitement about <clears throat> playing some of the gigs. And I remember especially in Los Angeles. You know, just the first like five rows of people were just there for suede. Mm. I was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice welcome. <laughs> <laughs> setting flares off, etc. Great gig though of yours. It was. I really a
1: great enjoyed gig. that. Yeah, one. it was good. Maybe because there was a bit of frisson. A frisson, yeah. You <laughs> need that though, don't
0: you? <laughs> I mean, speaking of, of of the gigs, you're playing one hour fifteen each in these in this co-headliner yeah. tour. Uh, just focusing on the set. How, how do you decide what to play because both, both bands have so many hits we had Blur in recently and they, they actually outsource their set list choosing to somebody else who picks their set list for them for their we're, comeback gig So have given too much power to the people power to the people <laughs> <laughs> how do you decide though because you, maybe you want a song you want to play that the rest of the band think oh no let's just leave that i have only got an hour 15 James I think it focuses you and you just really don't
2: want there to be any spare meat on there um, I, I, I'll freely admit that I like to get the audience moving I like I, I, when I go to see a band I want to see their top lines songs i do Mm. if they don't play certain songs i get upset so perhaps that makes me a bit cheap seats i don't know um but you know we'll always play motorcycle we'll always play design we'll always play torah it's just the way it is because um people have people look down on on playing old songs but you can't ever relive that moment unless you're in front of that song in a live performance environment ever again it is every time i go to see a band and they they perform a song that i loved 30 years ago i'm reliving it and i like that moment but Yes, you got to mitigate that by just doing stuff from nearly every album you've done, and we've always done that, you know. And we don't road test songs, but we always play lots of, you know, old stuff and lots of new stuff. We we play everything. Um, um, but Nick's in charge of the set list. Um, oh, I see. you see yeah. the man with all that. Stuff, He'll ask me you? about high keys now and again. you will say, "Is, is, 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 that, is a that kick?" Is, is, no, no, it's just like you know, is there, are there too many songs in E in a row? And
0: I'd be like, "Yes, there are." Is that a thing? Would that be something <laughs> that you worry about? Too yeah. many songs in E. Well, you try it, fella. That's a good point. I'll give it a go. <laughs> Just thought, does he warm up with his stretches for his kicks, by the way? No, no, he, no. He's old-fashioned. No, no, he doesn't believe in that. Just <laughs> sees what
2: happens. I know that Brett's in... You, you, you pretty much do your set list on the spot every night, no?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always songs, like James says, there's always, there's always songs you've got to play. And you, you will always play Animal Nitrate and whatever, beautiful ones whatever. But... Um, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of boring for people reading a set list to, sort of 2,000 miles away on the internet and saying that, oh, they, do, they did beautiful ones again, they did trash again. But when you're in the room, the energy that you can you can only get from the big hits, yeah? There's, yeah. An, there's an energy, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a feeling of unity with the crowd that you can only get from the really big ones. Of course, I like throwing obscure things in the, there as well, because I think you've got to keep the band on their toes, you've got to keep the audience on their toes a little bit as well. Yeah. But you know you can't it's a balancing act you, can't, you can you you know you can you can't just write set setlist for the hardcore fan base because then then literally everyone except the first two rows will just go to the bar yeah. you've got to sort of keep the, the audience engaged so it's a kind of like it's a, it's an interesting thing writing a set list. it's a, it's a, it's a real skill um, and sometimes you, you get it wrong, and, and sometimes you hit hit it right, hit the nail right on the head. And it, it very much depends on what you're sick of playing, what you haven't played before, what you think you can dig at, what you think you can get away with. You know,
3: is there a song of each other's in a parallel world? that you you look at and kind of think, oh, wish that was ours. Oh, or- God, many.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Trash, I was um, in, intensely jealous of. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of New Generation, I absolutely love that song. Um,
1: kind of like, yeah, so that's too off the top of my head straight away. <laughs>
3: that was easy. <laughs> Press- pressure on you now, Brett. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most self
1: emptiness is just an absolute killer, stone-cold classic, it really is. Hmm. It's just amazing. Love it. I've always loved it but um it has got lots of words in it so I'm not sure if I could do a cover of it every time he sings I'm like what's he singing what's he saying yeah.
2: <laughs> richie richie and nick weren't big on punk punctuation I mean, like,
1: <laughs> you know but it, but it works somehow it's it's it's, it's brilliant so what we mean what I love um, I love if uh, I love tolerate as well and it's a, it's a weird one cuz cuz when when that was um, a hit at the time because it was a sort of big hit. It sort of passed me by, but you know how that happens sometimes. Yeah, you're a bit it's like, oh yeah, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we went on tour of them in um, in the states that I was kind of listening to that every night. There, it's a beautiful song. It's a really powerful
0: song. So, I mean, what we love about both your bands is that the stuff you're releasing all these years on still sounds kind of current. Yeah. Uh, you know, for example, we've recently been playing Swades. She still leads me here on Absolute Radio. It was a fantastic song. I, I kind of hate it when bands chase the current craze and lose their way a little bit. What, what is the key to for want of a better phrase, not going. <laughs> um, interesting drive time aspect. We'll see what they do with that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I think you know, like, the, the main thing is that like, you bring a song into the studio. Uh, you know, we kind of all meet up with each other in Cleon in South Wales, and we just meet up then we play. And you know within two minutes whether something is working. And usually it's just one of either Nick and Sean pushing me into a corner as a musician where they are pushing in the song one way on me trying to push them another right. way, and you just and suddenly you can't stop playing, and it's brilliant. And you just go, "Should we do that again?" Yeah. If Sean's just like, "Forget about it," I'm just like, "Okay." <laughs> you can kind of <laughs> like, get that vibe. Yeah, so it's all about body language. Is Sean? He's just like, "That's just that's not good." Yeah, um, and that takes the wind out of yourselves. But as soon as you just all want to keep playing it together, yeah. it just you just know you're onto something. But yeah, it's kind of I'm never gonna say that. You know, uh, I'm never gonna say that there was always a trad jazz element to our
0: music. You know, <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear that album, though. <laughs> uh, Brett, for you, I what think, about
1: you? Yeah, it's it's all about, like James said, it's, it's, it's all about instinct. It's it's kind of it's all about it's all about instinct and being really honest with yourself. Right. I think lots of bands get to you know can is a there's a tendency or, or there's a there's a temptation for bands to kind of like get to a certain stage in their career and sort of assume that everything they're doing is good because they're doing it. Right, and and we're brutally, brutally honest with our songwriting. When we the last album, Autofiction, that you mentioned, Scott, she still leaves me on on it, um, that took four years to write.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. So why 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 so long? Just
1: Cause going back four and years to write ripping cause stuff it, up because and... it took four years to write because it wasn't good enough and it still wasn't good enough and it still wasn't good enough and four years later it was good enough.
2: You kept throwing stuff away, basically. We kept
1: throwing yeah. stuff. Away. We probably, probably you know we write at least 50, 60 songs for every album yeah really yeah. wow that's amazing and throw them all the way and for me it's not that's not it's not a problem because it's the, that those songs that you lose you kind of yes you obviously the question is do you ever reuse them? sometimes bits of them kind of reappear and stuff like that but that's not the point you're just exercising your muscle your songwriting muscles while you're writing them it's part of the process now
2: you've just announced one hell of a box set yeah.
1: <laughs> previously unreleased <laughs> one, one Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you've heard anyone here there's a reason you you we scrapped songs you know what I mean? so yeah a lot of a lot of work a lot of work and uh, and you know it, it's it's deceptively simple you know what i mean it seems it seems it's, you know, last last album was 11 songs and and it seems seems simple and and straightforward but there's a lot of work behind that and the same the new record we're making at the moment we're kind of uh we've been writing it for about two years now and i think we're about halfway there
3: so. Oh wow! That's similar time average, then? Yeah, it? yeah. You're on we'll target. Probably,
1: we'll probably take another two years for it to be released. There's there's six songs that I'm pretty confident a are, 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 are confident are bangers, and there's a, there's another six that might kind of go up or down the charts depending. But we need and we know we need another solid five bangers.
3: Uh, it's an incredible tour you've announced next year. All these outdoor venues, castles and palaces, Alexandra and uh, Cardiff and Edinburgh and and such like. Um, and a great. It's great for the fans to be able to see, like you know, two full sets, two bands, one night, one one ticket. Is there any fantasy world two bands that you would have liked to have sort of seen? Or oh, if I could see these two on one night, who would it have been? Oh, wish you would prep me for that question. Mm. Um, That's a, yeah, a
1: real prep question, isn't it? I would have liked to have seen the Sax Pistols if I was, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in 1976. Tell you what, the, the, what would be good, be Sex Pistols and then Johnny Stays On and then High, high Time Pill will yes.
3: be original members. Yes, That'd be amazing. That's a good answer. There we go, you've answered there it we together. Go. Yeah, I'd like to Without see The, the
1: Pistols. And, then, <laughs> and then, then, yeah, yeah, you know, Rise and... Uh, Clash like, in a big
0: audio dynamite.
1: That would have been good.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, um, as you get older, music obviously still a big part of your life, but uh, you develop other uh, interests and hobbies. <laughs> uh, Bez from Happy Mondays uh, is a beekeeper. Have you guys got any... Uh, hobbies or interests that you've developed over the years, Uh, since obviously you first appeared on the music scene, uh, James? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No,
2: I like to think, I like to think, that I had a, a quite, a quite rounded life. Um, you, know, you know, I've always been interested in lots of things. That's a very uh, pre-prepared <laughs> statement. <laughs> it is talking just, about spreads.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to
2: push you on, thing. you on this, James. Read,
1: oh, I read. Come cook. on, tell us about your hobbies. <laughs> come <laughs> you on, like James. Bookbinding, right? I read.
2: I have thought about that because I know somebody's a bookbinder, and it, it looks quite. Yeah, it looks good. You can't beat a <laughs> brilliantly bound book, can you? No, you, no, you really can't, can't. No, but I always manage to bust them. I always <laughs> manage the bust <laughs> them. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, I forgot.
1: Um,
2: it's kind of like... but No, I've, I've always loved a good walk on the beach with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I've always like cooking. Okay, I've always liked running. Yeah. And, uh, kind of, and I've always liked going to watch rugby, football and cricket. So there you
0: go. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Brett, have you got <laughs> any okay, interest? I'm, I'm prepared for this. I, I, okay,
1: so the only thing I'm going to say, I, I, I do this thing with my little boy called day camping, which I think I've invented. Oh, oh wow. I love wow. Right? Yeah. So w- what it is, is like my little boys uh, friends dads they're all really outdoorsy yeah because we live in the country and they're all kind of like you know outdoors they build them kind of you know um, you know kind of tree houses and things like that anyway he was like dad can we go camping one night this is the middle of January because one of his friends (laughs) had just been camping because his dad's in in the army or whatever I'm like no, but how about if we go out day camping? So what we do is we we go out, we take a we take wood for a fire, we take marshmallows, we take sandwiches,
0: yeah,
1: and um, you know a little kind of tent in case it's raining. We go to the middle of the fo- middle of the forest and we kind of like build a little fire and sit there and chat and get all the good things about camping, but without the kind of you know being chewed at four in the morning <laughs> by, by, by a goat. <laughs> you know,
0: that's a br- what a brilliant thing. Fantastic so there you idea. go. So anyone yeah. that
1: lives in the countryside, that's my tip
0: for you. Go Day camping Day camping day is day brilliant I'm going to give day camping a go well, That's fantastic <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, James, back in the 90s uh, If it had approached the part of an interview Where you're just going over dates And where people can buy tickets Be honest, would you have got out glasses to go through them?
2: Oh, God, I, I had a gammy eye when I was young.
3: Oh, right. That's not something that's... you, made me feel bad. Thanks a lot. That's not something that's changed in, in 30 years, then. Um, no, they're getting worse. Yeah, they're, safe. They, <laughs> they're kind of,
2: um, they, yeah, they're getting worse. Basically, I got, uh, I got karate kicked in the head in the sandpit. Uh, by by, uh, by a kid. I was just going to say his name and I don't want
1: to say his name. He was out of Angry Manning's fans. Yeah, no, 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 no. He was a good guy, actually. But
2: remember Kung Fu on the TV? Yeah. Do, 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 do. He was just, like, trying to beat David Carradine in the sand pit and bam. I went back home and I had an Apollo rocket above my bed and then I was like, Mum! And there was three of them. And she was like, Oh, God. And she looked at me and... I, my eyes roll over the place. Wow, red. wow, oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, thanks for bringing that yeah. up. <laughs> Richie, what an end to the interview. <laughs> so,
3: well, you should at least get the chance to take us through the dates because they, they are on. <laughs> they are getting worse. James, you yeah.
0: get a chain for them. I think they look fantastic. Well, Larry Grace and Chainer <laughs> Lanyard. <laughs> I've got
2: one. Um, uh, so, Friday, 28th of June, Langachlan International Music I With. Uh, Tuesday, 2nd of July, Dublin Trinity College. Uh, Friday, 5th of July, Cardiff Castle. Uh, Wednesday, 10th of July, Edinburgh Castle, like the football results. It? <laughs> <laughs> James Alexander Gordon. Friday, 12th of July. Manchester Castlefield Bowl. Saturday, 13th of July. Leeds Millennium Square. Thirteen. Uh, Thursday, 18th of <laughs> July, London, Alexander Palace Park.
0: And the pool's forecast is good. good. Well, and one thing we were talking about before you guys came in, that obviously the Mannix would have, you would have bagsied uh, Cardiff Castle, right? Yeah. Do you I know what I mean possible. in terms I of, possible. did you work that out a little bit like uh, Alexandra Palace Park maybe for Suede and then... Yeah, uh, we sort
1: of divided it out. Like, it sort of, of seemed... There are obvious ones. We let our people deal with it, don't we Brett? Our (laughs) people. Your people talk to my people. It's fine. (laughs) uh, To be honest, you know, playing first isn't always the worst thing actually. It, uh, we found that out, out on the American tour. Lots of the times we went on first were actually some of my favourite yeah. nights. So sometimes it's hard. It's, it, it just depends on the
0: gig, really. Well, listen, uh, day camping kung fu kicks an end to the show. Uh, <laughs> yep. Amazing to have you both on. Uh, Brett Anderson, James Dean, Bradfield, uh, Suede and Manic Street Preachers co-headlining tour. Get your tickets now. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you, right. you, guys. Thanks,
3: guys.